0: Yo, what's up, you guys? It's your girl, the LPC, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Self-Aware and f Up podcast. So today's guest is a very special person in my life. I've known him for several years, and I am really looking forward to you guys listening to this episode to learn a little bit more about Stephen M. Martin and his journey. Stephen is an author. He's a pro-Black activist. He is a guru as it relates to sexuality in the Black church, and he is here today to share his story as well as provide tips to you guys who may be struggling with your own personal issues and... Demons. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Also, follow me, Treaty LPC, on all social media platforms under the handle Treaty LPC. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Yo, what's up you guys? This is your girl Trudy LPC and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Self-Aware and FDM podcast. I really appreciate all the love and the feedback that I received from the last episode. I hope that we were able to help a lot of people, but today's episode, we're really going to be tackling some heavy stuff and I hope you guys are ready. You guys know how I feel about mental health and how I feel about being able to make it so plain and so simple for everyone to be able to understand and grasp what we're trying to do as far as a Advancing the mental health advocacy and support within our community. So today I have with me a very special guest. His name is Stephen M. Martin. He is a mental health advocate and author. He is the guru on all things related to sexuality in the African-American community. And he is going to be blessing us with a lot of information. So I want you guys to take a moment right now just to welcome to the show Stephen Martin, the Unstoppable Steve. All of the above, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today, Steve. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: You're very, very welcome. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. So I wanted just to start off by having you share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I know that you are very skilled. You are the man of many talents. And I had the opportunity to kind of read some of your books. And I want to talk a little bit about all of those things today. But just let's first start off by having you introduce yourself to the audience and giving them a little bit of background about who you are and what you do.
1: Uh, well, I am, my name is Stephen uh, M. Martin. I am from, actually from Alabama. Um, I went to uh, Tuskegee University. I also attended Mercer University. Okay. I've been working in the um, mental health field for about uh, eight to nine years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an advocate for mental health. Um, I've also been a certified peer specialist uh, by the state of Georgia uh, and okay. an advocate for mental health issues. Also, an advocate for uh, people that deal with the sexuality issues when it comes to the cognitive dissonance uh, issues in the black community mm-hmm. that a lot of us uh, uh, hold. Um, and I'm actually uh, what we call in the pro black woke community a pan African. So, I, uh, those are my current beliefs.
0: All right, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing those things with you um with us. And I feel like, you know, with peer support and the peer specialist piece, a lot of people may not know what that means. Do you could you kind of explain a little bit more about that? I know you said you're not actively right now, you're working through that process, but can you explain that process to the audience? Sure, absolutely.
1: Sure, absolutely. So a peer specialist uh is a person that uh so when you go to let's say a mental health facility or or connect with some type of mental health resource. Um, Typically, you'll deal with, you know, different workers, LPCs, social workers, or whatever Mm the case may be. But the peer specialists, the part they play in, they're typically people that deal with mental illness in some way, form, or fashion. So, therefore, they're able to give more of, of, uh, they can internalize where the client is and how they feel and give them support Mm -hmm. uh, because they're able to, Give a um uh uh, uh I'm trying to find the word a uh, impartation mm-hmm. uh, that a person that hasn't never dealt with mental illness can give
0: right okay. Thank you for for clarifying that, because I know a lot of people may not understand what that means, because a lot of people don't really fully get mental health. And I think it's so important what you do and being able to give back to other people who have experienced things that maybe you have experienced in life. And, you know, being an advocate, being able to be vulnerable and share that part of yourself with others, especially being a mental health professional as well. I think it's so important and so necessary because, A lot of people can't really, if you've never been through depression or anxiety or any mental health issues, it can be hard for you to relate. Um, You know, just my background a little bit, I have dealt with depression and anxiety for most of my life. And I'm in therapy and have been in therapy consistently over the years. And so I I definitely commend you for being able to share that part of yourself with other people. I know one of your big bases is being, you know, being very much a pro-Black activist and also a mental health advocate for people. And I know today we're going to be talking a little bit more just about the, the other part of your life, which is being a guru and things related to sexuality within the Black community. I know several years ago, working with you at um, one of the organizations that we worked together at, I was able to read one of your books, The Evolver. And that book was absolutely amazing. You talked a lot. I know some of it was based on your personal experience of being at Tuskegee University. And so I want to hear a little bit about how you came up with the idea for the book in how do you see that book being able to impact people within the community as a, a, at large as it relates to the gay community?
1: Okay, so I am a, uh, a Black male that um, I have almost like two strikes against uh, myself because I'm a Black male in America as well as a male that is attracted to other males. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, I have some very uh, specific struggles that I believe that a lot of men and some black women can uh, relate to. And mm-hmm. that's what initially caused me to write my book. Okay. Uh, I talk about in my book, uh, cause I, there are four actual characters in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that through the course of my life so far, I've been all for those characters. Mm-hmm. I played football in high school. Um, and uh, as well as uh, the beginning part of my uh, college career, I, um, have been the flamboyant part. I've been the the okay the reserved um kind of person. i i kind of went through different phases of my life as far mm-hmm. as my character or whatever. So I was able to write easily write these four characters and how they deal with their sexuality uh, and the conflicts they go through dealing in the main character dealing with his uh religious beliefs mm-hmm. versus his sexuality. That was I think the biggest Plot or the biggest uh issue going
0: on in the book. Right. Absolutely. And I know that it can be really difficult being a black gay male in the South dealing with, you know, your sexuality and trying to resolve your faith. What would you say are some of the key challenges to being able to be yourself, be authentic, and still also trying to balance your faith?
1: So the biggest challenge for me was pretty much The uh, the people that I I grew up with, Um, Mm -hmm. my family, the black community does not understand uh, sexuality, especially homosexuality or bisexuality. They do not understand uh, a lot about it, Uh, and a lot of times when in our community when we don't understand something, we kind of fear it, shun it, move it to the side, and so they, uh, as a result of it, they really uh, haven't really taken time to. But nevertheless, Dealing with the church, um, dealing with my family, uh, a lot of times, their opinions of of people that are attracted to the same sex caused Mm -hmm. me to sort of kind of, growing up, that's all I knew, is what Mm -hmm. they said, And so it caused me me sort of to grow up, to hate myself. Um, And then that was verified when I went to church. Mm. And in church, you know, they had what their interpretation of the scripture was, and we were going to hell. Yeah. And so that um, created a conflict because now I have these strong biblical or theological uh, principles mm-hmm. that are being placed in me, and I also have these very real attractions that I'm unable to change. Right, and, and so that created a level of cognitive dissonance that was so agonizing that it can cause a level of depression.
0: Right. Definitely. Do you think a lot of your depression stemmed from that balance of trying to be yourself, but also trying to live by biblical principles that you were taught in the church?
1: Yes, that that definitely was a trigger for my depression. If I were to have uh, an episode, um, that's definitely a trigger. Something when I think about because when you're in the South and you're you're gay, mm-hmm. um, and you're black, you kind of don't fit in if you mm-hmm. receive or you believe what the what you've been taught as a child. So, yeah. and, and this is what I mean when I say that. So, you don't fit in the church because you're gay, right? And so, but you don't fit in the gay lifestyle because you believe and you what you've been taught it, mm-hmm. that. Homosexuality is a sin. yeah. And so you can never be comfortable being straight because or trying to live a straight lifestyle or maybe get a girlfriend in my case mm-hmm. because you're not really attracted to her. And so you're miserable over here.
0: Right, yeah. But
1: you're also miserable over there if you were to get in a relationship with the same sex because you have a belief that you've been taught that you're going to go to hell. So yeah. you really are in this place where you don't fit anywhere. And yeah. so that can cause, uh, depending on the individual and how they deal with that trauma, that can cause all type of thoughts, like suicidal ideations, mm. all type of negative things that can happen, uh, uh, you know, to a person as result well to that.
0: Yeah. And I know it has to be difficult. Like I know what my challenges has been being a cisgender lesbian that's also african-american growing up in the south and i know what my experience in the church was like and i can definitely relate to that feeling of not really belonging in one place or the other because it's like you know going to church with my grandmother growing up it was like that's all i ever heard with it that if you're gay you're going to hell and then coming to terms with how i felt about women and really being able to come out like i came out when i was like 19 And that was like a struggle because it's like I'm still in this church it's still a part of who I am. And I fought with myself a lot. And I tried to suppress those parts of who I was in order to be able to to live right, so to speak. And I was miserable. Like there were a lot of times I dealt with suicidal thoughts at that particular time, like driving from church, actually, and thinking about driving my car into a tree because it was like I was miserable. So I can definitely resonate that with that feeling and being able to come to terms with who I was and being able to accept that what was your experience of being able to to come to terms with who you are and reconciling your faith as well as your sexuality
1: um I did get to a point to where I was able to to a certain point um reconcile that uh however i will say uh as my introduction to what i'm about to say mm-hmm. that every day is i'm still kind of on a journey okay uh, to get further understanding of that however um on that road i found out like i went through the church i went to baptist church mm-hmm. and all i kind of got from that was going to hell but there was not which is why not just for homosexuality or sexuality or, or any type of, but for any type of sin, yeah. there was a lot of you're going to hell, but there wasn't a lot of solutions. Mm. Like okay, so if this is wrong and I'm going to hell, what am I supposed to do? Right. You know, and, and, and and then if if I were to go straight for mm. real,
0: Damn
1: can I marry it. your can I marry your daughter? Right. Are you, so, so and, and, it kinda, and when I ask those questions, it kind of challenges those uh, those believers because it's like, you know, do you even believe what you're saying yourself, or are you really just throwing rocks at the situation? Exactly. I went through the Baptist Church. I went through um, the Holiness, the the Church of God in Christ. You know, I went through the gift of speaking in tongues. I, I've mm. had uh, <laughs> uh, a and if you look at my website and my testimony with that, I've had uh, exorcisms. I've had mm-hmm. hands laid on. I've had people try to pray the demon out, oil put on me. Yeah. I went on every fast in the Bible the Daniel's fast, the 40th. You know, I've done mm-hmm. all these things uh, in me trying to change um, my uh, feelings towards the same sex and to be what I thought God wanted me to be. Um, And then I realized, looking around, that everybody in the church, including all the way up to the the pastors,
0: was struggling
1: struggling with something. And I feel like that what I realized that helped me to reconcile, going back to the original question, was that um, when I go back to what God did with his people, he had them... in the old testament we had all these laws and stuff we had to do and then uh when we were to uh sin they had a sacrifice had to be made mm. and um when god looked at that the bible says that god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son okay and so we call his son the lamb of god Yeah, and he was the the final sacrifice mm. and so um he laid on that cross and he died because I know that God knew that those people, we could not keep the law. We Mm -hmm. couldn't keep the law. So his son had to die for our sins in order for us to do it. And so I feel as if my interpretation of that is that all of us are struggling and pressed towards March with
0: something. Right.
1: Uh, uh, Just on a side note, there's a man right now in the media that is a, a pastor, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. That's uh, making a proclamation that we need to eradicate and do a genocide to all gays, which is wow. dumb, as, dumb as hell, really. Because, <laughs> uh, first of all, if you kill all, first of all, you're not going to be able to find all the gays, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you kill all the gays, there are going to be more gays born. Right. can't <laughs> kill all the gays, period. Exactly. They have always been they're going to be there, period. So, But nevertheless, um, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the challenge is for us to receive Jesus as Mm -hmm. our Savior and not ourselves and our own behavior. Because if we're we're trusting on our own behavior to get us into heaven, all of us are going to hell. Because Mm -hmm. all of us, just because, you know, whether you're dealing with whatever you feel like you're dealing with, All of us, Mm -hmm. according to the word, you know, deserve hell. But if you're just going off of what your behavior and what you do, Mm -hmm. then yeah, you you know, you don't really deserve uh uh heaven. So what you have to do is receive Christ as your personal savior and not yourself Mm -hmm. in your behavior. And it is because of his grace and mercy, not because of your behavior, that you reach that point. So in conclusion. You know, uh, and Paul talks about, you know, do we continue on, you know, Mm -hmm. in sin or whatever the case may be? Well, you know, you know, we, surely we don't, you know, we continue to press, you know, we do the best that we can, Right. but we definitely, uh, how I was able to reconcile it was I knew that it wasn't going to be me and and my behavior that was going to get me into heaven. I just received, if I go to heaven, it's only going to be because I believe. Mm-hmm. what Christ did on the cross. And I believe in who he is. He is my savior, not me and my mm-hmm. Messiah. Uh, I think that people that are holy than thou believe that they are their own savior because because of their behavior and their opinion uh-huh. about the lifestyle. And I don't believe that they really received Christ mm-hmm. as their savior because their pride has not allowed them uh, to admit that they're still struggling. Right. And I yeah. think that when you're told that actually... If you believe that homosexuality is a sin, that it humbles you to the point to where, well, you know, I'm a mess. So Mm -hmm. if I go, it's going to be because of Christ, not because of me. And I think that that's where I am and how I'm able to reconcile it.
0: Gotcha. So you still leaned into your upbringing and your religion, but you reframed your way of looking at sin and your ability to be able to be cleansed by the blood of the lamb and, and that being the sacrificial kind of thing that that. I guess I think the way that it says in the Bible the veil was rent from the top to the ripped from the top to the bottom and then we kind of were able to go, go into this new place the new testament where the old testament had been um done away with and we're living now because of the the sacrifice that was made. So when you look at it that way how do you um how do you see homosexuality or do you see it as a sin is it because you said you were still kind of on that road like how do you view it now that you have a different way of framing the way that you look at the word of god and the way that you look at the church
1: well i definitely have a different way of of, like you stated um uh the wording you use in uh framing the way i look at the word of god because Mm -hmm. What I had to do was go back to my roots. I had to go back to, okay, mm-hmm. this Bible and this word was presented to me as a child mm-hmm. Where did it come from? okay and so when I, when, and, and, and how come the principles that I'm being taught don't work for mm-hmm. me and they don't work for my community
0: okay
1: and, and, and so are they right? Is this the truth?
0: Can you speak a little bit more to that? What what do you mean when you say, like, they don't work for you and your community?
1: Like, say, for instance, um, we talk about people, I don't know, raising the dead, or people, uh, Mm -hmm. some of the things that the Bible says that we should be doing, you know, we haven't seen. Like, for me, I haven't seen a person that has been fully delivered from homosexuality. And I have been in a full-out ex-gay organization. And for those of you who don't know what it is, an gay organization, that is an organization of people that are attracted to the same sex, that are committed to God changing them to a heterosexual uh, from a homosexual, a homosexual.
0: Okay. Um,
1: And even in those, so that means that I've had access to hundreds of people across the country mm-hmm. that have tried to change their lifestyle and what I found is that none of them have ever done that. I have not met a person. Now I have met people that have gotten married or whatever the case may be, or mm-hmm. and they they may have tried to try to restrain themselves, but then they find themselves falling back or whatever the case may be. But I just believe that when God delivers, he delivers to the up-home. So mm-hmm. if you're still, if you still a man can only be drawn away by the lusts in his own heart. So mm-hmm. if you're still being drawn away or you still attracted, then it's still in you. Right. So I don't call that deliberate, even if you did get married and have kids. Exactly. So I have I haven't seen that. So when I talk I, I mentioned that because when you think about things that work, I haven't mm-hmm. seen the practical use of the interpretation of the scriptures in some areas mm-hmm. that have worked work for our community. And so I believe that. There's a better understanding or interpretation um, somewhere. And I think that we need to kind of look at that, you know, look at, well, maybe the way we're looking at these scriptures are wrong. You know, mm-hmm. where did they come from? You know, um, there are books of the Bible that are not in there. Um, I know that uh, when they made the Bible that we know of today, and I'm going to land in just a moment, uh, that in Constantine, got an organization, mm-hmm. and they put these books together you know, and they uh, infused paganism into Christianity Uh uh, in Judaism, actually, and made Christianity. And then uh, when the slaves, us Africans, were brought over here, they infused spirituality into that Christianity and made what we call the church today. Wow! So a lot of things have been shared and mixed into a lot of interpretations, a lot of Mm -hmm. beliefs. And so I feel like that when I st- say in conclusion that I'm on a journey, I feel like that we need to kind of pull back all the layers and all the stuff, all the ingredients that've been put in here, and get down to what mm-hmm. what does God really want from me, okay. and 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 what you know is this you know not going by what Mama said and what Grandma said, right. but really being a relationship with God Himself and and understanding who He is and what He wants.
0: Gotcha. So, do you see homosexuality as a sin, based on your framing of of your relationship with God?
1: I'm still on a journey with that. The research that I really don't have mm-hmm. a like. Oh, yeah, it's a sin, or okay. no, it's not a sin. You know,
0: okay.
1: Um, what I my research at, at the age of 43 is that there are different interpretations of what the scripture is saying. Mm -hmm. Um, you can go to the Old Testament and they can pull up the interpretations of what the scripture is saying. Uh, The New Testament doesn't really talk about it. It Mm -hmm. does talk about fornication, though. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are different perspectives, and uh, so I'm still kind of up in the air. Whether it's a sin or not, Mm -hmm. uh, the ultimate goal for me is to get to heaven. And so my basis for that is it's gonna be on Christ's mercy and grace and what he did on the cross and not because, mm-hmm. you know, um, matter of fact, when we, right before he died, he said that, you know, they don't understand.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, he said they they, they don't, you know, and I don't. <laughs> he was definitely right before he hung his head and died, mm-hmm. he definitely had me right there in mind, yeah. because I don't. And I'm depending on what he did to get me back.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it, it can be challenging to kind of balance those things. Like for me, you obviously are still very much trying to figure things out in terms of like reconciling that. And you have people like me who have kind of pulled back from the traditional church And more so focuses on spirituality. um, I live my life by two principles. Love God, love God's people. Which means I treat people well. And I operate from a spirit of kindness. And and all of those fruits of the spirit. So I take pieces. Because it's in me. Like the word is in me. I grew up, was raised Southern Baptist. And I know the word. I know that the the letter killeth and the spirit give it life. I know all of those things. And I take the pieces for me that reflect who I am and who my grandmother taught me to be as a woman and and as a good person. And so I think that for me, reconciling it, it just came to a point where it was like, you know, with either I'm going to live my life and be happy living my life, or I'm going to try to be this person that I'm not, try to fit into this little straight box that the world wants me to fit in so that I don't have to deal with being looked at as a woman that Loves women in this negative way. And so I experienced a lot of issues trying to reconcile that and being okay, going through abusive relationships, and then finding a church home. Um, at that particular point in Lynette, Alabama, and being still looked at as a spiritual leader, getting fire baptized, speaking tongues, can pray, you know, the the, the whole church down, but Operating in that and then having the eyes of the spiritual leaders on me, like, well, you know, she gay, though. So we can't do that. Well, you can't leave her around your daughter. I had a pastor. I won't say his name, but I had a pastor literally go to one of the other spiritual leaders at the church and say, oh, well, you don't you don't need to leave her your daughter around her. Because I was this young lady's mentor because she may do something to your daughter. And so that was it for me. I left the church in 2009, 2010, and I haven't looked back. Um, And so for me, it was just, I wasn't accepted there. And I also have issues with the idea of a gay church. I know that there are a lot of gay churches in Atlanta, and that's not for me either. And so I kind of found myself on the outskirts of just being myself and, and being okay with who I am and knowing that my relationship with my higher power is that. What would you say, you know, are the key things that, why do you think that the, the church has such an agenda against gay people?
1: Well, um, and I, and I did want to touch on what you were saying. That goes back about, you know, you have an issue with not going to a gay church. It, and that's kind of what I was saying earlier about not really fitting into the mm-hmm. gay world, but not really fitting into the, the straight world either, you know, because it's like, you know, it, it's messed up on both sides. But um, ask me that question one more time. I'm sorry.
0: Why do you think the church? This I don't know if it's just the Southern churches. I, I just I'll, obviously I'm in the South, but why do you think the church has such an agenda against gay people? You, there's always this talk about the gay agenda, but I feel like the church has an agen- agenda against us. Um,
1: some of it is social. It's, it's ignorance. Of it, some of it. Mm-hmm. Some of it. Some of it. They're just victims, just like we are. You know, right? This is the same. Mm-hmm. Um kind of like, I'm trying to figure out how to frame this because I'm definitely not an advocate for uh pedophilia mm-hmm. and and i I know you know because I know you uh personally are uh, somewhat, so you know I know that you're not either mm-hmm. but so I don't want to hear or see anything dealing with an adult messing with a child,
0: absolutely.
1: Um, I can't be tempted by a child because I don't have the lust for a child in me. Right. So that's disgusting to me. And so because that's not a part of me. So it's, and, and I could, when people say, man, if I, if I, man, those people just need to die because that's just sick that you would mess with a child. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's easy for me to say that because I feel like that's disgusting. That's just, that's in real life. That's why I'm right. Well, those people that have been raised just like we have, they've been told the same things we have. The Mm -hmm. difference is they don't have an attraction for the same sex. And they feel the same way about homosexuality that you and I feel about pedophilia.
0: Right.
1: And so that's like they have very strong feelings. They don't understand why uh, Mm -hmm. a person of the same sex would want to be with another person of the same sex Mm -hmm. in a sexual or even a loving uh, manner. And so, as a result, they don't want yeah. to see it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to understand. It. And so, mm-hmm. and I think it's fair to internalize uh, these people that are are allegedly, you know, heterosexual um, and kind of figure out where they're coming from. And I just think that they're just, they're programmed to be that way. Just like, you know, we feel about pedophilia. That's how they feel about homosexuality.
0: Yeah. So it's like they're taught that they learn that it's wrong. They repeat that. They, you know, it almost reminds me of how racism is is spread from one generation to the other. That's the same way with homophobia. It's like you're taught this and you repeat it and you teach it to the next generation and you repeat. And I feel like we're in a space right now where, you know, there are a lot more people who are progressive and you have a lot of the younger generation, especially with millennials, that, I feel like we can possibly break that cycle of, of, you know, rinsing and repeating. But there are still people that I see, you know, whether it's clients or whether it's just people that I encounter that just that mindset, that brains, that I don't know if they're brainwashed into believing that their way is the only way. And. You know, hearing you speak earlier about this minister, this pastor that's wanting to eradicate the gay community. I mean, that's the same thing that Hitler tried to do with the Holocaust, you know, like eradicating the Jews and eradicating blacks and gays and all of them, putting them in concentration camps. So it's just absolutely. Bananas to me that in this year we would have someone that's out there trying to do that. So the it's like we're getting it from all different angles, and it's so unfortunate and, to even hear that that's something that's going on. Now I put on my
1: Facebook post that you know I've been in church and I've also been in the, in in the world or in the streets mm-hmm. or whatever, and I don't know which one is the biggest hustle because some <laughs> of this stuff, some of this stuff is political. Like yeah. I believe that. I believe that... Okay, so you, you made a, a great analogy but you were talking about people raised up in racism. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've talk taught that black people are evil and you're white,
0: yeah. it's,
1: it's, it'll be easier for you to receive that because you're white. Mm-hmm. But if you're black, growing up in a white family, and you've been taught that, right.
0: then you're looking at
1: everybody else like, well, what am I supposed to do because I can't change my... You know, my color. Mm-hmm. You know? And they don't have a solution for you. But anyway... um. I feel like that the church, in some cases, mm-hmm. um, they are trying to rile up the people yeah. uh, for, politi- for political purposes. Wow! Because they know that, uh, uh, according to some statistics that I read, you know, ten percent to fifteen percent of the people are, you know, are, are not straight. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you got, huh <laughs> that. They probably multiply
0: that, but okay.
1: Yeah, I don't <laughs> believe that either. But you know, if you got 85, 90% of people in your congregation that are straight and they can't internalize or relate to homosexuality, then it will behoove you to go against homosexuality to get that crowd, you yeah. know, riled up and to get them on your side because mm-hmm. you got a bigger audience because the LGBT community is gonna be your minority.
0: Right.
1: Um, and the re- I, what I have went at, excuse me, what I have uh, talked to pastors about on a personal level is that I don't believe that your sermon is genuine mm-hmm. at all and, uh, because you can get up there and call somebody a sissy, a uh, faggot, mm-hmm. you're going to hell, let's kill all of them. But what I have to see you do is get up there and say, you know, you can be delivered, and this is hot. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. when I pull back the layers of that onion or unbox that with the preacher, I come to find out that well, and if you did do that, preacher, what would you do? What mm-hmm. would you say? And they yeah, either they- give me a give me a cliche, give it to Jesus. I, mm-hmm. What does that mean? Right. You know. And, and so they got cliches, but but and, and so after a few moments of banter or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. uh, and in some cases trading quips, you know, I'll come to find out they don't really know. They yeah. don't really know, and they feel like that it that some of them that really believe what they're saying mm-hmm. believe that they're being affected by just saying that it's the same and somehow you know you're mm-hmm. just gonna you're just gonna stop being attracted and then i don't know and i don't think they know either and yeah some people just, other people in conclusion they don't care what you do they're just trying to get this money they're trying to get this money okay and, <laughs> and, and, and so if you if you rile up the crowd And getting them all excited about it and you let them know, hey, I'm on your side. When it's offer time, that's going to make the offer, you know, play bigger. And that's going to achieve your objectives Mm -hmm. politically.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see the political aspects of it. I know for me, I shared that I haven't been in in the church since 20. 2009 2010 but I haven't been physically to a church with the exception of going to a funeral since June 26 of 2015 and that's when the Supreme Court um ruled in favor of getting rid of um the Defense of Marriage Act and I remember I, I like I just stopped going to church after that not it wasn't even intentional I was just like I'm not going to Sunday because I don't want to hear an agenda. I don't want to hear a pastor talking about, oh, were they taking marriage from us or whatever. And at that point, I didn't even believe in marriage in general, let alone gay marriage, you know, but I I didn't go back to church after that. And, you know, obviously it's 2022, a lot has happened since then. I just never really had the desire to go back um, from that perspective because of the political piece of what I saw with pastors using the pulpit to kind of weaponize us. And I I see a lot of even family members, mothers and, and, and fathers who use the word of God to weaponize things against their children who are gay or LGBTQIA+. And so like, what would you say to people out there who may be struggling to find their truth? They may be trying to find themselves and trying to balance it and are they dealing with parents who are weaponizing the word of God against them, what advice would you give to them?
1: Well, um, the only thing I can say is if you had a parent that was doing that, cause I, cause like I said, I, I'm in my forties and I still deal with that. And I still am on a journey with that. Uh, I kind of, um, I know that, like in therapy, we talk about uh, dealing with certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, you can only really control how with your behavior. You can't really control right. somebody else's behavior. And what if your parents never accept you? What do you want to do You know, so you have to you may have to come to the understanding in terms of my advice that your parents will, will may always think or your family may always think that something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Or that that you're going to hell or they may always apply their beliefs, but you also have to kind of have a grace and how they were raised and what their life experiences are. And you may have to accept them for where they are in their life and their journey. Um, I don't think that the solution is necessarily to push it in their face or, or, or uh, ram it down their throats. Um, I do believe, however, that there should be boundaries set. Like, okay, I do understand this is what you believe about this aspect of my life because there's more to me than just mm-hmm. my fraction, Right. But because you your journey and my journey are different and you haven't had the same experience I have, you know, I set boundaries with my family. So maybe it's important, number one, to understand where your people are coming from mm-hmm. and, uh, and to set boundaries uh, on how you handle them, even in your conversation um uh that's that's what my would be my advice to um uh, people that deal with family members like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think those boundaries are definitely key um to being able to really navigate those relationships cuz I have a lot of people who Literally will just allow their parents to treat them poorly. And I always tell people it's our responsibility to teach people how we want to be treated. We all you know, I'm always about the golden rule, golden rule, do unto others as as you would have them do unto you. But with the parents and it's always important to kind of teach them because they're always going to operate from what they know. You're a little bit more um easy on people than I am because for me, I'm I'm really hard with the boundary is really heavy on the if they're not receptive to to being able to love all of you, they can get on the sideline and and not have that access or whatever. But everyone ha- handles things differently. For me, I remember having a conversation with my mom, you know, years ago like you know either you accept me for who i am or you don't have access to my life and i know not everyone is able to draw that heart of a boundary but i do think it is important to have some boundaries present in order for you to be able to protect your own mental health because you don't deserve to be treated like a, a second class citizen just because you love someone of the same gender sex you know orientation whatever i don't think you deserve to be treated poorly but boundaries i think that that's very very, very important for people to
1: have. And then when you look at how boundaries, what boundaries look like, like for me in my life, say for instance that my parents, you know, we could be hanging out, having a good time, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we see they see somebody gay on television, and mm-hmm. like, look at that, that's so terrible, blah, blah, blah. And they start making fun of them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't want to hear that. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? Because your son is your son is gay. So why do you feel like I'm comfortable with you talking about this other person that's gay? Okay, your son. Exactly. Okay? So what I would do is I'm all right, well, you know, <laughs> I wanna head back to the house. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, if something were to happen to me mm-hmm. and I was sick, it, it it's not gonna be a lot of the gay community there. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be my folks. Right, yeah, we have a difference of agreement. If I were to die and my body had to be buried or something like that or whatever, mm-hmm. it's gonna be, it's not exactly. gonna be all these other folks. And so they don't agree or understand this aspect of my life, and that's mm-hmm. because of how they were raised in the the era and the time they came from.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: but I'm not going to. That my choice is not to completely. You know, unless they become so toxic that I can't take it, like you know, they're just attacking me emotionally, personally, you know, you know, or something like that. Then, and I have done that. I have like, okay, that's Mm -hmm. it. You know, I don't want to have any contact with you. And when I've done that, they're like, okay, well, maybe we, you know, we need to look at ourselves, and so we have to come to a compromise there. But that's That's because I did set a Mm boundary, and that's why I feel like boundaries are important. And what they look like to me. It's saying, don't cross this line. I can't control you, but if you cross this line, I'm going to remove myself from the situation. Period.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have to have a balance. You you know, you know have to find some place in between uh, Tree and, and Steven in terms of where you set your boundaries for what you accept in your life. Because I have clients who just like, no, absolutely not. And I have clients who won't set any boundaries. And I think it's it's important to just find that middle spot that works for you. But Stephen, I I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me and really be able to educate our audience about that. Because like this podcast is all about discussing taboo topics. And when you talk about mental health in the black community or sexuality in the black community, it doesn't get any more taboo than that. Being able to really take a look at those things and really assess yourself, because when you're talking about you believe these things, you believe that, you know, being gay is a sin or gay people should be you know, gay people are going to hell. Like you really, I think a lot of people have to re-educate themselves and do what you did and reframe some of their thoughts as it relates to how they see the world and how they see their religion. But I really want people to be able to connect with you, be able to um, purchase your books and follow your material. Do you mind sharing with us how people can connect with you and how they may be able to purchase some of your your books? And like I said, Evolver was one of my favorites. I definitely encourage everyone to, to get that one, but you mind sharing that with us?
1: Sure, uh, you can reach all of my social media On my website Which is uh, www.steven S-T-E-V-E-N M-Martin M-A-R-T-I-N dot com So it's martin.com uh, And so my Facebook My YouTube, my Twitter My uh, TikTok All my stuff is on there As well mm-hmm. as my products, my books uh, okay. All of my parap- paraphernalia Is on that website
0: Okay Well, thank you for sharing that, Stephen. And again, thank you for taking time out of your day. For you guys, make sure that you go and get Stephen's material. Make sure you visit his website. And, all of the, um, and see what all that he has going on in his world. Also, be sure to make sure you follow me, Treaty LPC, on all social media platforms under the handle che- Treaty LPC. You can also visit the Unique Destiny website at uniquedestiny.org. Make sure you guys continue to st- stay tuned for the next week's episode. I'm gonna be speaking with a new amazing guest, so make sure you guys stay tuned. Please, again, I really, really want everyone, you know, share this podcast with a friend or family member that you think could be helpful. It could be helpful for because we really want to be able to re-educate people, especially within the African-American community on how to deal with and how to process through things related to mental health, sexuality and all taboo topics out there. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. Till next time, be safe, be well and make sure you take care of your mental health.